0: Welcome to the Engineering Influence Podcast presented by the American Council of Engineering Companies. M&A is a popular issue on the podcast, and today we're gonna to come at it from a different angle. Rather than looking at the state of the market or the various valuation methods, we're gonna talk about the role of key people in the firm. Diving into this issue with us is Robert Gable, a former CFO at two mid midsize engineering firms who has been involved in numerous acquisitions and, as well, has been involved in several decisions not to make the acquisition. He also was involved in rebuilding two ownership transition programs and has advised on several more. Bob recently presented an online class for ACEC on the people side of M&A. And if if our conversation stimulates your interest, I encourage you to download the program. We'll put a link in the show notes. Bob, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jerry. Before we get started, why don't you uh, sort of set the stage for us about what 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 the issue is?
1: So, Jerry, uh, our focus discussion will be around M and A and ownership transition in general. So, M and A is one type of ownership transition when you sell to a third party. Uh, another common way, the uh, issue that people are concerned about is selling within the firms to selling to the next generation. So, we'll the issues are very similar in terms of both conditions need a future generation of leaders to be developed and nurtured to be successful. The other thing I wanted to do was define a few terms that we'll be using uh, through this discussion to make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, We'll talk about leadership and leaders. So I wanted to just uh, share my thoughts on uh, leadership. And to me, the leaders are the key decision makers and thought leaders of a company. And I put the leaders into five categories. You can have strategic leaders, you can have client relationship leaders, technical experts, project delivery, administrative leaders. Um, They're up and down the organization. So you might have a project manager who is leader of his peers, uh, as well as it's not just the C-level suite that we're talking about. Um, The definition of owners to me is uh, our employees who have a financial stake, significant enough to affect how they think about the firm and are empowered to influence and contribute to the direction of the firm. So owners are different from investors because owners impact the outcome. Investors are passive, like investing in the stock market. Owners are a synthesis basically of leaders and owners. So leaders and investors, the synthesis becomes an owner.
0: So in a firm, you don't basically have to be an owner to be a leader. You can be a leader without being an owner. Yes, you can,
1: Uh, and we'll get to this discussion as part of the discussion in the AEC world. uh, If you're employee owned, most uh, AEC firms uh, want to align that leadership and ownership because, and then we'll talk about the skin in the game uh, uh, mentality to help people focus their decisions.
0: And uh, I, I, I listened to your program and, and at one point you, you you said leaders drive the value in the firm, is that a, is that a fair uh, idea?
1: I think so, because whether you're gonna sell a firm or run the firm where it is today uh, or turn it over to the next generation, um, this generation, the current generation of leaders are the ones that are out there with the clients, they're executing the projects, they're setting the strategy. They're the ones that really drive the, the value because then you have that staff level that executes under that leadership if, and they need that direction to execute, to know what to execute and how to execute efficiently for your firm. Uh, the future leaders, so if you're going to sell your firm in, in an M&A, or if you buy a firm, you'd be interested in who the future leaders are. If you're gonna buy a firm with you, when your leadership is, uh, let's say on the back end of their career, uh, who's gonna drive that future profitability? Is that next generation? So uh, that's why it's important for the current leaders to always be developing that next generation of leaders. And there'll be, so if I'm selling, that's what the buyers are buying. If I'm a buy-in, I wanna know not, who, who's contributing but is going to be leaving the firm in the next three to five years, who's gonna be able to drive that value for the next 10 or 15 years, uh, so I get my return on investment. So does that mean
0: um, that you need to, as a a firm owner uh, potentially selling or buying, that you need to bring these, these future leaders into the discussion early on in the process?
1: I find that's most helpful. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, about some advice I did on ownership transition plans. And I would go and somebody would talk about their ownership transition plan and ask me what I think about it. And my first question is always, have you talked to the people you want to sell to, to see what their interests are? And uh, usually that ends the conversation. They say, oh, I guess I better do that. Um, Because they may not be interested in buying the firm, Um, they or, they may have asked of things for the ownership transition program that you didn't think about. So there'll be some compromise if it's internal ownership transition. If you're looking to sell through an M&A process, uh, if they're not interested in working for another type of firm or the firm that you're trying to sell to, uh, there'll be some disruption and they'll probably leave that other firm. They might have some golden handcuffs, maybe a three-year employment agreement, but if they're not happy, they're not going to be productive. And if they don't have an employment agreement, they'll go someplace where they're happy. Uh, so that will destroy value for the uh, acquisition, reflect poorly on you. It may even affect how you get paid if you have a, a pay-for-performance, uh, an earnout. Uh, so getting that alignment of what you want to do with the firm, with that next generation of leaders, is critical to have their buy-in and get everybody on the same page, so you're rolling in the same direction. If you have that lack of conversation, there's discord and there's uh, and there'll be disruptions down the line in your plans to turn over ownership, whichever way you go, internal or yeah, to an M&A. And uh, some leaders... Um...
0: I would assume uh, don't want to be owners. Don't want to don't want to run the show. They just want to keep doing the the stuff that they do.
1: So there's come at this question in a, a couple of different angles. Um, one is there's great investment advice out there it says don't invest in the where you work because you're putting too many of your eggs in one basket, and that's great investment advice. But we're talking about owners, not investors. So to me, owners are making a great impact in how the investment turns out. So it makes a big difference. Whenever somebody brings that up, I ask them, well, how'd that work out for Bill Gates? He, was, he invested where he worked, and it worked out real well. Now, we're not always going to do as well as Bill Gates did, but that's the concept. If you can influence the outcome, I think that uh, investment advice uh, needs to be uh, altered and rethought. Uh, the other side is uh, owners are, are risk takers. They have to have confidence in themselves, themselves to take risk and calibrate the risk in return. Uh, is this a risk that I can manage and has a good chance of succeeding? Um, because they've got their own money on it. They have a lot more focused on that risk reward and is the risk they're taking aligned with what how they wanna uh, Put their money at risk. A manager, some managers don't want to uh, put their own money at risk. They have uh, some. Maybe they're more risk averse than the company as a whole, or and, and don't want to make those ownership decisions. Interestingly, they live with the risk of somebody else's decision, but they typically don't see it that way. These can be very good managers. I mean, uh, large firm, large public firms has whole suites of uh, managers who are more comfortable. Working for a uh, firm, that way they don't have to be an, uh, an owner, and they don't have to align their leadership with uh, ownership, uh, and it takes different personalities. But it's you're in a model where you are privately owned by your your employees. Uh, I think it's you're you have a limited uh, source of capital. You're, it's really best to align that leadership and ownership. Uh, get the people to have the skin in the game. It helps their focus on. Uh, risk and decisions and what is the best strategy for the outcome of the firm, uh, not necessarily and get beyond decisions, what's the uh, best outcome for them personally.
0: With, with, on, on sort of keeping, uh, getting that alignment, um, is, is this a, a, a multi-year process? Is this something you would start doing 10 years before? Perhaps there's a change or, or is it less,
1: more? I find it best if it's an ongoing process. Uh, ownership transition is not a, an event. It's continuous. If you you can see it as okay, the founder sold to the next generation, but you always need to be developing that next tier of leadership. And leadership, as we talked about before, is tiered. You have the c level suites. You have the managers underneath them, and you have the up and coming people you've hired that you really think they're great and they have a lot of potential. You've got to be bringing them along, each at their own level, to get them to the next stage. Um, the other thing I like to see, I think is, has seen work very well, is develop a lot of a large pool of junior leaders, so that you have a larger. Pool for the senior leaders to evolve from because if somebody's in their mid twenties and thirties, it's hard to identify who's going to be the you know are they the right person to become a CFO or CEO or COO. It takes time for people to mature, evolve, uh, and you can't pick the right person when you hire them in their in their uh, beginning of their career. They have to uh, prove themselves. You know, give them opportunities to succeed and fail, hopefully fail small, but people learn more from failure than they do from success. So you have to nurture them along, give them success, uh, give them opportunities to make those successes and failures and learn and develop into that future leader. Very rarely are you born into it. Maybe some family uh, transitions happen that way, but usually not internal transitions or uh, developing a leadership model.
0: I would assume that, that That sort of works on the other side too, that by giving um, potential future leaders opportunities, you are um, cementing them to the, comp- to the firm at a greater, at a, more than you would if you
1: just sort of had them uh, do normal tasks. So true leaders will find an organization where they're able to uh, achieve their potential and if they feel like they're being held back, we've all seen that, uh, they'll start looking out to the market and, and find a position uh, someplace where they don't feel lined back, where they feel that um, They've been empowered to the, uh, to the level that they think, think that they're ready to take that leadership. Uh, so yes, you have to keep feeding them and building up that leadership. But the rewards of that are are that's what drives the profitability of your company and success of your firm is if it's a client development leader, you're getting more um, clients in and more uh, good clients. If it's a project delivery, you're executing your projects at a a higher margin and more successful on time and and on scope and uh, uh, on budget. All those leadership. Contributions have to happen at all levels, and you have to continually uh, push those real, true leaders up to the next level by challenging them, because otherwise they'll go somewhere else where they can uh, achieve their own potential.
0: If if we move along the timeline a bit and and move to when the actual discussions start coming about uh, s- purchasing the firm or uh, or, or passing leader uh, ownership of shares to. Uh, future leaders, um, and you made this point in the in the program, was that uh, a lot of owners want to want to dictate terms because yeah, they're that they're the founder, and uh, that and you made the point that that's not the way to go. Walk into a negotiation.
1: Yeah, you know, the the owners, especially the founders, the founders are a unique position, but owners, the current leadership. They're making the decisions, they feel empowered, they feel like they're driving the organization. But this developing a next leadership level and aligning your goals so that you're taking the company where your next leaders wanna go, if you wanna to sell to a third party or they wanna buy or what markets do you wanna do? Do they wanna grow faster? Do they wanna grow slower? Do they wanna uh, expand into new technologies? Uh, The owners feel like they can dictate the terms and then they go talk to someone If, as I talked about before. If you haven't talked to these people, how do you know your goals are aligned with their goals? You go and say, propose, yeah, I want to, Jerry, I want you to go down and and open up the markets in the Southeast. Jerry says, hey, I've got family and friends up here in in, in DC. I don't want to move to Atlanta. So you start talking and then say, well, the, the issue is that the, the next generation leaders always have the option to not engage. So if I gave you a proposition that says you have to move to Atlanta, uh, and you say, well, no, I don't. If I could go somewhere else, you always have that option to not engage in my plans. So you actually have as much power, maybe more power than me as the owner who's trying to drive the program. So. Getting together, talking about it, listening to your goals, you listening to mine, and maybe some compromise in between. Maybe you're willing to do five years in Atlanta to help get things started, but a promise to come back to uh, D.C. where you live. Uh, so both sides will need to compromise if they're really committed to making a relationship work. It can't be one side dictating to the other because you'll feel disem- un- disempowered uh, and You'll you know if I start pushing around, you say, "Well, I'm not enjoying my work here anymore because I, I don't feel empowered, and my boss isn't listening to me, and I need to go somewhere where I feel more comfortable to in doing my work every day."
0: One of the issues we hear a lot about is um, is that the 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 younger generation that well people say they didn't want to be owners, but one of the issues is that they don't t- tend to have the equity. They don't tend to have uh, the, the money to to invest in the firm, and um, one way to, to get around that is is just to grant them shares in the firm. But uh, you know, getting back to your statement about having skin in the game, that sort of they don't really have skin in the game at that point, do they? Um,
1: I don't think they do. And I think that uh, granting shares to me is not a good idea. It, it's there are firms that work on that model. Um, if I grant you shares, you're very happy about receiving this share bonus, but you didn't put your own skin in the game. Uh, so now it's just a gift. Now, I might've given it to you to, feel, to help the ownership transition. I might've done it to avoid having to engage with you to, on what your goals were. A lot I see that a lot is like, well, if I give you the shares, I don't have to ask you what your goals are to entice you to buy them, uh, because who's going to turn, turn down free money. Uh, one of the risks is if we haven't aligned our goals and our interests, you could take the shares, get invested and say, well, I'm going to go someplace where I am aligned with the, the direction of the company. So then you sell your shares, the company's out both your leadership and the money that we, we handed off to you. Uh, the other risk, I, I've, so you have the skin in the game risk, you have the alignment of interests. The other risk is that uh, the model seems to create some stress on capitalization for the firm. If I grant the shares to you, and then you mature in your ownership at the end. I want You want to sell them back and I buy them back. It's a one-way flow of capital. I'm buying out your shares, but you didn't buy in. So the capital is one, one-way flow, and it really puts a lot of stress on capitalization of the firm. You may be able to get through it with one or two uh, generations of ownership transition, but I, I've seen a number of firms that have not being able to sustain that for very long and you gotta understand why if i'm consuming all my capital to buy out owners who didn't buy in and i don't have a, a source of capital replace that it's going to put a lot of stress on the organization
0: so when it does come time to negotiate the sale the the, the key it seems to me would be that you as you've mentioned several times you need to align the goals of the buyer and the seller not just on the direction of the firm, but on the financial aspects of the transaction.
1: Yes, usually the the strategic level and the the large owners are are focused on the financial side. Uh, The buyers are gonna be focused on who that next generation is and who's going to really drive the uh, profitability in the next few years. Um, And that's why If I'm the seller, I've got to get everybody aligned. I've got to get my next generation on board and properly rewarded in the transaction. So uh, they may get a piece of the sale proceeds, even if they're not owners, or they may get an employment agreement, or or some sort of uh, uh, performance bonus agreement. So there are ways to transfer value. A, variety, a whole sort of Verizon, the lawyers and the, and the transaction people who can invent lots of those things. But aligning those interests of the next generation, the current owners and the buyers is, is critical. So now if you're doing an M&A, you've got three parties uh, to align. Whereas if you do an internal transaction, there's the current ownership group and the next generation that you're aligning. And again, if I don't talk to the next generation and I'm selling the company, The buyer is well served to talk to the next generation, make sure they buy in. But if they don't, they've got a severe risk that that next generation is not aligned. Most people really, really value their their people who have made them successful. They really want to get, uh, reward them when they sell the firm. So their interest is doing that, but they don't always think about going and talking to them and getting their view on potential transaction or what type of firm you want to sell to you want to sell to uh, very large firms where you can have this great diversity and work on huge projects or you want to look at a work on a sell to a mid-sized firm where you can have a greater influence on the direction of the company you know people have different interests in life that's what makes life so wonderful that everybody has different interests but you really ought to align you can Align who you market your firm to to the interests of the next generation, so they benefit and get rewarded for all the value that they provided to you in your current ownership.
0: Uh, closing up here, would um, it's would it be fair that to say that you have the selling the selling generation, and then there's the buying generation, which is younger, perhaps. But then there's the next generation below that, which is, uh, I think you turned them earlier, the 10 to 15-year leaders, the ones who won't be there for another you know, 10 to 15 years. And those, it would seem to me, are the, that's where the value in the company probably is, isn't it? It's in those people. So yes. You need, yes. You need the, to bring them
1: into the, into the conversation as well? So if I'm, selling internally i'm probably selling to people who are have another 10 or 15 years in their career they need time to uh if you can sell to somebody with two or three year, years left in the career they're not going to have feel empowered to really make their mark and and try the things that they want to do they need time to be able to execute a plan to go right into a new territory or I wanna get into structural engineering and I've never done structural engineering, but I wanna extend our our product services into uh, new areas. It takes time to do that to get successful. So I see the the next generation as being that 10 to 15, and then the 15 to 20 year olds, you're nurturing and getting them lined up. And that's that deep pool I was talking about before. So so those leaders evolve and they're the next generation of, of owners. And we talk about generations, but it's a continuous process. Uh, in the firms I was running, there's the baby boomers view of the generation. There was a whole bunch of us who uh, bought our shares, grew up and then sold, and it's a big bubble, uh, but it's a continuous, every year we're, we're buying and selling shares. So it's it's a continuous process. We kind of think in terms of generations, but it's every year there's new people coming in and, uh, and people retiring or leaving the company one way or the other. You need to have uh, the future. You need to have those 10 to 15 year people because they've got the experience to drive the organization. They have the experience to make good risk decisions uh, to allow the company to thrive into the future. And if you want to sell to your Current employees, it's usually you want to keep that legacy alive because you're proud of what you built. Uh, that's usually part of the consideration. And if you're selling to a third party, they want to make sure that they get their ROI, and it may affect your your buyout, your your earnout. But there's, I, I tend to think of it in three different tiers: the current generation, the current owners who are on the sell path, the the ten to fifteen years who are the next generation are going to drive the success, and then there's the uh, the junior leaders, the uh, who are need to be nurtured and given opportunities to see what their capabilities are and help them learn to be leaders for the next generation, the third generation.
0: Well, great! I think that's
1: wraps it up. I, I,
0: I appreciate you taking the time to talk
1: with us. Well, Jerry, thank you for asking me to join you. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation and. Uh, I'm open to helping any of your audience if they want to reach out to me.
0: Will do. Uh, We've been talking with Bob Gable, and um, this has been the Engineering Influence Podcast presented by ACEC.